0: So listen to this. I just prayed it. I'm going to say it now. If you will take the Holy Spirit upon you, his fullness will be in you. Does that make sense? Uh, The, uh, what was his name? Cornelius. Cornelius the centurion told Jesus, he said, I get it. He said, I have men under my authority but I myself am under my commanding officer's authority so if we will come under God's authority via spirit his spirit will fill us and we will begin to be able to take authority over the things in our lives that are out of control does that make sense let me read you this this scripture from last week Matthew eleven twenty-eight and 29 says come to me All you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Why do we want God's yoke upon us? Because he's sovereign. He's sovereign. He is in charge. And so we need to take his Christ's yoke upon us. Jesus says, I'm gentle and humble in spirit. Remember, that's different from other sovereigns. All right. There's no other sovereign that would say I'm gentle and humble in heart. You will find rest for your souls for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Right. That's what we want. And so uh, we read last week in Isaiah 61 one that says the sovereign the uh, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me. The Holy Spirit is upon me. He's, he's around my neck, so to speak, as a yoke. And remember that Jesus is my yoke fellow. Jesus isn't behind me with a whip. He is right there beside me carrying the yoke. And that's why his yoke is easy and his burden is light. Because I take my yoke upon me as Jesus has taken my yoke upon him. And that yoke that binds us together is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, and that's why uh, in in 1 Corinthians six seventeen, we read last week, but whoever is united with Christ is one with him in spirit. We come under the same yoke with Jesus. That means we're united together through the Holy Spirit. You know what I was, remember last week we said focus on the yoke, and all week long I was focusing on the yoke. And there was a couple of times when I got, I, I went way off over here. I was distracted on Thursday, and I reminded myself of the yoke that's on me, and it pulled me right back in to where Jesus was. Focus on the yoke. Think of the Holy Spirit. He's with you. He's pulling you back to Jesus. He's pulling you back to Jesus. And if we'll focus on the yoke, we won't stray too far from God ever. Because the Holy Spirit is right there. Now, the, the neat thing about the Holy Spirit, He's not going to let you go off on some crazy tangent. There's people who are real spiritual. You know what I mean? They always seem to know where the Holy Spirit is moving. And I'm not criticizing them. But sometimes hyper-spiritual people get way off the track because they're not really focused on the yoke. See, when you focus on the Holy Spirit, we learned last week the Spirit, the Holy Spirit is also referred to as the Spirit of Christ, the Spirit of Christ. In one one scripture, the Holy Spirit is the very Spirit of Jesus, who is uh, who is our yoke fellow. So let's let's keep going on with this thought here. If you will take the Holy Spirit upon you, His fullness will be in you. And let's start. In the Old Testament, let's look at, if, if, you, if we were to talk about the Holy Spirit, most everybody would start in the New Testament because that's where the Holy Spirit is most referred to. But there's some rich, rich thoughts in the Old Testament and knowledge and understanding of the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament. So I want to look there. Uh, in fact, as I go through this, you're going to say, well, what about this scripture? Well, what about that scripture? I'm leaving out some of the common scriptures because we already know them. Let's look at some of these more obscure scriptures, maybe overlooked scriptures. But the first place the Spirit is mentioned of is in the second verse of the Bible. You know, Uh, Genesis 1-2, I referred to it, I think, several weeks ago. And it's talking about creation. The earth was formless and void as a waste of emptiness and darkness. I heard one preacher say, And I don't know if this is true. The Bible doesn't give us enough information to know. But the the devil had already done a number on what God had started. And that's why it was void and formless and shapeless. I don't know if that's true. I don't know that any of us could know that that's true. But the fact of the matter is creation was somewhat of a blob. (laughs) There's nothing going on there. And it says here that the Spirit of God was moving over the face of the waters. I can't, it's hard to picture that, but here's the Holy Spirit of God hovering over unformed creation, a blank canvas, if you will. The Holy Spirit hovering over that. And the word hovering is a very interesting word study. I did this a while back, and it, it really changed my view of what the Holy Spirit does. In hovering over creation, he was actually brooding over creation. You know what brooding means? It's like a, a hen over her eggs is, is brooding over fertilizing the eggs and literally breathing life into that little unformed embryonic uh, chicklet that's in that egg, all right? The Holy Spirit has been hovering over some of us for a very long time, breathing life into us, breathing eternal life. Even before we believed, even before we knew God or cared about God, the Holy Spirit was hovering over you, preparing you for right here, right now. Did you know that? And part of it, we need to realize that's the work of the Holy Spirit. And right now, some of the loved ones that you don't see anything happening on right now, the Holy Spirit is hovering over them, and He's breathing life into them, and He's preparing them for something that will blow our minds. Do we see the work of God? No, just like we didn't see the Holy Spirit over creation, but when it was ready... The life had been breathed into creation. The word of God was spoken and things started happening. And that's what's going to happen where you're praying. That's what's going to happen. One of these days, God is going to speak the word. And what would seem to be suddenly has actually taken a long time of the Holy Spirit's work in in people's lives. That's what the Holy Spirit does. Praise God. He breathes life. So uh, let's just continue on. Here is, is uh, for, for another thought here. Um, actually, let me, let me just mention this scripture in Deuteronomy 32, 11, We read this last week with a different context, but I want to read it again this week because it, it puts into perspective what the Holy Spirit does and is doing right now. As an eagle stirs up its nest and hovers over its young, spreading its wings, taking them up or carrying them, carrying them on its wings there's the holy spirit viewed as an eagle i like that more than a hen right a hen could get kicked in the head and knocked off but you know what an eagle is a little bit stronger it's a little bit higher it's a little bit safer the holy spirit is hovering over us just as it's described here so let's look at the next place this one excited me because i've i've looked at this scripture i've mentioned it several times but I learned something new this in the last week or two when I was just studying this on my own. Genesis 3.8, oh, this is so exciting. When the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he walked through the garden, in the cool of the day, they hid from the Lord amongst the trees in the garden. Let me tell you what, the same word that we just read that referenced the Spirit in Genesis 1.2, that same word, the Spirit of God, is the word that's used here in the cool of the day? Do you understand that? The cool of the day is your time with the Spirit. It's many translations translate this in the breezy time of the day because see the Holy Spirit is referred to as a wind, as a breeze, as a breeze, as the breath of God, and in the cool of the day, another words. In the spiritual time of the day, God was walking, waiting for communion with man. When is your spiritual time of the day? When are you most open to God? Is it when you wake up in the morning? Some of us are morning people. Some of us are nighttime people. Some of us are noontime people. I don't know what your time of the day is but you have a spiritual time of the day when your heart is open like a flower, is blossoming like a sunflower blossoms towards the sun. Your heart is open, receptive, and ready. When is your breezy time of the day? When is your spiritual time of the day? I'll never forget, um, this was a while back. My uncle has passed away, but uh, once my parents and I went to visit my uncle, my dad's brother and my aunt, obviously, and my cousins, and as we were leaving, after spending a day or two with them, I have a, do you ever make a mental picture, like a snapshot of something, and it's an image that you just can't ever forget? I, I have that, that mental image as I was walking, we were walking out of their house, I saw my uncle, who's been an evangelist, a pastor, a man of God, he, just a huge blessing, and I looked over my shoulder, and I saw my uncle in the living room, And he was already closing his eyes. He was in his spiritual time of the day. He was waiting for us to leave. (laughs) The guests needed to get out of the house so he could have some time with God. And he was already just kind of closing his eyes. The look on his face of just happy anticipation, peacefulness, as he was entering into a spiritual time of the day with the Lord. Do you give time? For that spiritual time with God, that walk with God, when you're open, you're receptive, you love God, let me tell you what, if you will take God's Spirit upon you, His fullness will fill you during those times. Absolutely rich, rich times with the Lord. John 3, 8, speaking of, speaking of the wind, the breezy time of the day, there are so many scriptures that refer Or reference the Holy Spirit as the wind or the breath of God. And I'm going to share just one of them with you. It is in the New Testament. And it says, the wind blows. This is John 3.8. It says, the wind blows wherever it pleases. The Spirit of God blows sovereignly wherever He pleases. You hear the sound... But you can't tell where it's coming from or where it's going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. Let me tell you what. When God starts carrying you, the Spirit of God, you let God, the Spirit of God come upon you, He's going to start taking you places that you would have never dreamed of. You're going to start doing things you never would have dreamed of because you've let the Spirit of God come upon you, and He's going to begin to fill you. So remember that, he's the wind. There's another scripture in the Psalms, and then it's referenced, I believe, in Hebrews. It says, he makes his servants winds. He makes you and me winds. In other words, we're going to be blown where the Holy Spirit blows us. Praise God. Genesis, going back to the Old Testament, though. Genesis 6-3, look at this. So humanity had become so corrupt, so violent... So offensive to God that in Genesis 6-3, the Lord says, My spirit, we're talking about the Spirit of God, will not contend with humans forever. They are mortal. Their days will be 120 years. That's when our lifetime got chopped down from whatever Adam was living, 900, 1,000 years, down to 120 well, now we're seeing it's more like, what, 70 or 80, unless you're Sister Lily and Allison. God said, my spirit is not going to contend with people anymore. And if you look, especially I think it's in the book of Isaiah, God is re- referred to as the Holy One of Israel, the Holy One of Israel. And if you look at what that means, it's the one who contends with Israel. Israel was a pain to deal with from God's perspective they were always going off on the wrong path and the Spirit of God had to contend with them as he would a stubborn mule and pull them back on to track again and he had judges and kings and prophets and and men and women of God that would try to get Israel back on the right path and God says you know what one of the purposes of God's Spirit is to contend with us how many times have you rebelliously, and I rebelliously said, I'm not going to do it your way, God. I'm going to do it my way. You hurt me, God, or you've disappointed me, God. You didn't meet my expectations, and you walk on down that stubborn path, and the Spirit of God has to contend with you. He has to fight with you, all right? And, and, and here that saying, God is not going to do that. He's not going to contend with us forever. You and I, we have a short period of eternal, of of, uh, opportunity to make an eternal decision, and God is not going to contend with us forever. One day, the Bible says, uh, "Once it's appointed, man for for a man once to die, and then the judgment." He's not going to contend with us forever. Let the Holy Spirit cooperate with the Holy Spirit. Listen to the Holy Spirit obey the Spirit and don't let him contend with you cooperate with him But another verse in the Old Testament that refers to the Spirit of God in Exodus 14 21 Moses is there standing in front of the the uh, the Red Sea, right? He's got Pharaoh's Armies marching behind them. They've exited Egypt after 400 and some odd years He's got two million slaves with him that are nothing but a complaining griping group of people And you know what happens? He raises his staff and in Exodus 14 21 He stretches his hand out over the sea and the Lord drove Back the sea with a strong east wind and turned it into dry land. You know who was doing that? The Spirit of God. The wind was blowing that obstacle out of the way so that the children of Israel, the children of God, could get through to the other side. You and I, we have obstacles that God wants to blow out of the way. You have financial obstacles that God wants to blow out of the way. You have physical problems. You might have mental obstacles. I was thinking about this yesterday. All my life, I've dealt with a little voice in my head that says, you can't do it. All my life, ever since I was a little kid. And I have this wonderful, these wonderful times when the Spirit of God blows that voice out of my head and says you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. We have mental mental obstacles in our heads as well, such as the one that I just described, and you do too, whatever yours is. The Holy Spirit of God wants to blow that out of your mind and blow a fresh word of encouragement, of strength, of empowerment into your life and your heart. You're not a victim. You are a victor according to jesus according to his word and so this wind of the spirit drove back an east wind drove back until there was dry land to walk through you see the spirit of god is powerful and a visible influence in this world this is not just hocus pocus and a change in perspective no this is the real verifiable palpable truth of god that if you will let the Holy Spirit come on you, He's going to start doing miracles for you. He's going to start doing miracles for you. I love it in Acts 1-11, through speaking of the wind of the Spirit. The day of Pentecost came in Acts 2-1. They were all together in one place, meaning they were all yoked with Christ in one place, united with Him in Spirit, united with one another. By the way, can I pause there for a second? Unity, the only way we'll ever have unity here on earth is if we have first unity with God, with Jesus. That's the only unifying force in the whole wide world. So if you ever feel tempted to go with this coexist movement of all religions lead to the same place and have the same path, it's foolishness. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father except through me. So if we want unity in this world, it's only going to be through Jesus the Son. That's the only way. So they're yoked together because they're first yoked with God, and suddenly the sound, and I believe it was, I know, it was a physical sound, a sound that could be heard, like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house, if we take his yoke upon us, his fullness will be in us. You want to be filled with the Holy Spirit, don't you? I want to be filled. Now, don't make no mistake about it. When you open your heart and Jesus walks into your life, you get a certain measure of the Holy Spirit in your life immediately. Whether you feel it, whether you don't feel it. Whether you know it, whether you don't know it. He is there. But I'm talking about a fullness of the Holy Spirit. A measure that's overflowing, that's bubbling up and coming out of you. That's the infilling of the Holy Spirit. Fills the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each one of them. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit. Now I'll tell you what, there was you know, thousands of people that followed Jesus. But when he got crucified, that number got pared down a little bit. <laughs> and actually got pared down before that. At one point, he felt like he, he was getting he had too many followers and not enough adherents, not enough people who were literally latching on to what he was saying. So he says, "You know what? If you don't eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no part in me." Hey, that was some tough to, you know, anybody that says that. He lost much of his following. In fact, at that point, I believe all that was left were his 12 disciples. But anyways, as he was crucified, his pairing got pared back a little ways. At one point there's mention of five hundred people after he, he died and was was raised and resurrected. Five hundred people. But it looks like that number got pared down to 120. That were sitting there and saying, I'm waiting for God. I'm gonna hold on for God. And you know, I want to ask you, are you one of the few that's gonna wait around for God until his sovereignty comes on you and fills you? It's worth the wait. It is worth the wait. Amen. And so um, they heard the sound. They're filled with, with the Spirit of God. And then strangers, uh, people from all over the world, were there in Jerusalem at the day of Pentecost, and they hear these men and women declaring the wonders of God in their own languages. What happens when the Holy Spirit comes on you? Miracles start happening. Crazy, amazing stuff starts happening. But it's not going to happen unless the Holy Spirit fills us. Do I believe in speaking in tongues? Of course I believe in speaking in tongues. The Bible talks about it. It says it's for you and for your children and for all of those who are far off. Of course I believe in in the filling of the Holy Spirit. Is it weird? Is it unusual? You know what? Nothing from God is weird. All right, Nothing from God is out of control or crazy. If it's from God, it's good and I want it. I don't want to get to heaven and have only received 30% of what God had for me. I want it all. Give it to me all of it. Now, do I believe people in barking and rolling around on the floor of the church? No. There's got to be order and sanity to what goes on in God's in God's church and the body of Christ. So, we're not going to allow craziness, but we are going to allow the spirit, <laughs> the Holy Spirit of God. Praise God. Well, in Acts 2:33, pointing to the fact that the spirit's power and his evidence it's visible it's tangible it says in Acts 2.33 and this hit me between my eyes when I read this about three or four weeks ago exalted to the right hand of God he has received um, from the father the promised Holy Spirit and has poured it out what you see and hear take the Holy Spirit upon us he fills us you will see and hear things <laughs> good things not voices you'll see and hear from God You'll see his hand moving in your life. But Let's go back to the Old Testament. Exodus 28, 3. I love these two. And I know I've read them before. But they're so good, I'll read them again. All right. It says uh, in, in Exodus 28, verse 3, it says, Tell all the skilled workers to whom I have given the spirit of wisdom in such matters that they are to make garments for Aaron, For his consecration, Aaron was a high priest at that time so that he may serve me as priest. God wants you to thrive. He wants you to be skilled, have abilities and capabilities that are shocking to people around you. He wants you to be absolutely amazing in your own unique way. In your own unique way. If you think God wants you to sit around and be a bump on a log, and some religious whatever, that's not what God is looking for. He wants you to thrive. If you're a teacher, he wants you to be the most skilled, amazing teacher that this world has ever seen. If you're an engineer, he wants you to invent things and thrive and be absolutely amazing. If you don't have an education, God has other plans for you. Don't worry about it. Whatever you do, he wants you to be amazing. Exodus 31 one through verses one through three, it goes on with some of the skilled ability thing going on. The Lord said to Moses, See, I have chosen Beziel, son of Uriah, son of Hur, the tribe of Judah, and I have filled him. Listen to this. I have filled him with the spirit of God. What did that mean? With wisdom, with understanding, with knowledge, with all kinds of skills, to make artistic designs of work of gold, silver, and bronze, to cut and set stones to work with wood and to engage in all kinds of crafts. That's what happens when the Holy Spirit fills you. That's what happens when the Holy Spirit fills you. You go hog wild doing amazing things in your, during your lifetime, all for the glory of God, but you're going to enjoy it too. <laughs> you're going to love it. Absolutely. I love these last two words in this verse 5 of where we were. Exodus 31 it says to work in wood and to engage in the kinds of crafts let me tell you what when the holy spirit fills you you're going to be a hard worker (laughs) you know what your best witness to non-christians to unbelievers is your work ethic we should be the hardest workers we should be the ones leading companies leading government leading institutions whatever it is god has called you to be a success not a failure all right, so go do something for God, but you're gonna have to work. And you know what? The funnest thing in the world for me is is to work. I love working. We should love. To, you know what? Work is not a curse. <laughs> it's not a curse. It's a wonderful thing. And I'm not talking about working for money. You can volunteer. You're working. You're doing something. But then it also says to engage. And there's nothing like you know. There's. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with this, but. Gallup uh, has this survey, a, an employee engagement survey that some companies use, and it shows how engaged employees are. You know what engagement means? It means you like your job, basically, is what it means. You enjoy doing what you're doing, and it shows. God wants you to be engaged in what you're doing. Don't go through the motions. Don't be one of these goofy people that says, oh, I'm just, I'm just, I just work here. You don't just work here. You do something to show who Jesus is in your life. You're doing everything as unto him. And it's a joy and it's a pleasure. And so the Holy Spirit's presence in our life fills us with skills and abilities, creativity, unbelievable things uh, that, that God wants us to do. But Look at this in Exodus 35, 21, continuing on with this thought of the Spirit coming on us. Everyone who was willing whose heart moved them came and brought an offering to the Lord for the work of the tent of meeting. So they were they were building, not building, they were they were making a sanctuary for the Lord there in the desert. They were vagabonds in the desert, and God said build me a tent of meeting, a sanctuary. And so it was very skilled, it was intricate. If you read about it, it's very interesting. But it says here that there were willing people whose hearts moved them to give money towards the building of of this tent let me tell you what when the Holy Spirit starts prompting you you're gonna want to do you're gonna want to volunteer you want to give if you have money you want to give it if you have time and emotions and effort you want to give towards that you're willing see it's like a you can either be a rock or you can be a feather (laughs) Dumb example, I just came up with just off the top of my head just now Oh, the wind is not going to be able to move a rock very well But if you will lighten up a little bit and say i'm willing to go and do whatever god wants me to do The wind is going to catch that feather and move it Your heart needs to be light so it can be moved by the spirit of god By the breeze of god by the wind of god So if you have an urge To give somebody in need something, do it. That's the Spirit of God moving in you. And if all you have is $1 or 50 cents, give the $1.50. Because in God's economy, that's worth a million bucks if that's all you have. Does that make sense? You give what you have to give. Be generous with your time, with your money, with whatever. Let God move you and you will be so fulfilled, so joyful, so happy. You want you, you can't even imagine. And so we need to be willing. I love this in Psalms 51, 12. It says re, David says this: Restore the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. We should be willing. Don't don't get your schedule so marginalized that there's no room to do something for God. Create a little space in your time. For what God would have you to do, create a little bit of uh, of space in your money, keep a twenty dollar bill in your pocket or a one dollar bill, so that as soon as the time is here, I want to give, I want to bless you right here, <laughs> I want to give this to you right now. Be a blessing, and it's not just about time or money. It can be a word that you speak to somebody that encourages them, that blesses them. Be a blessing. Where are we at? We have a little bit more time. Hey, that's great. All right, so Numbers eleven seventeen, 17, continuing here in the Old Testament. Um, this, this is something. This requires a little bit of explanation. But it says, I will come down and speak you with you there. This is God speaking to Moses. I will take some of the power of the Spirit that is on you. <laughs> there it is, remember? Spirit's on us. And put it on them. <laughs> And they will share the burden of the people with you so that you will not have to carry it all alone. So here's Moses, one leader, leading two million people who are very difficult to deal with. But Moses has 70 elders, 70 men, capable men. And God says, I'm going to take some of my spirit that's on you and put it on them so that they can help you with a burden of leading and, and taking these people. Let me tell you what. When the Holy Spirit's in you, it's going to rub off on other people around you. Amen. Do you get that? The Holy Spirit is on you. Anybody you come into contact with is going to be blessed by you. Anybody. So you, you know what? We need to realize that. We need to be aware of that. Hey everywhere I go, I'm not being boastful, I'm not being prideful, but everywhere I go, the spirit of God is going to rub off on somebody around me. Yeah. Praise God. I'm going to I'm going to smile at somebody. I'm going to throw them a spiritual whatever feather. <laughs> I'm going to I'm going to throw something to them, Lord. And the, the Spirit of God is going to bless them. When I'm in, you're going to think I'm a little bit kooky, but sometimes whenever I'm on traveling for work and I have to sleep in a hotel room as I leave, I pray, God, let your presence stay in this hotel room. Let the next person that stays here, let them be blessed. Let them feel the presence of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Everywhere we go, let the Spirit just rub off on other people. Numbers 14 this is just incredible. Kind of going back to this concept of willingness. But in Numbers 14, 24, God's really basically saying, hey, you, 20, you two million people are bothering me so much. You're so disobedient and so stubborn. But there's this one guy in all of you. His name's Caleb. He has a different spirit. And he follows me wholeheartedly. And I will bring him into the land he will uh, that, that you will go into and he will go in and his descendants will inherit that land. Look at this. I want to I want to key in on a word. It says, I will bring him into the land. Bring him. We talked about this a little bit last week. The spirit carries us. Remember, we talked about the hundredth sheep that gets off the path. The shepherd goes. Picks up the sheep. I've seen a little painting before with a sheep, kind of the little legs on this side, the little legs on this side, and the shepherd just carrying the sheep. You know what? We We need to consent to let Jesus carry us. And the Spirit does, in fact, carry us. The Bible says the Spirit leads us. That word lead in the Greek means to bring to a place or to carry to a place. So when you're being led of the Spirit... You're light enough to just let the Spirit just carry you to where you need to go. Let God carry you. Well, here it says, I will bring Caleb. I will pick Caleb up, and I'm going to bring him right into this land, and he's going to inherit. He and his descendants are going to inherit that land. So remember that about the Spirit of God. He carries you. Just to put it into more of a perspective, um, oh, heavens, where did I? Put that here it is I skipped it that's why numbers eleven thirty one. numbers eleven thirty one. a couple of chapters before the Israelites were complaining I love this one the Israelites were complaining that they didn't have enough food <laughs> and God says you know what I'm gonna give you so much food you're gonna barf it up <laughs> you're gonna throw it you're gonna have too much meat he says you know what I'm gonna do I'm gonna send a wind there it is again I'm going to send a wind and I'm going to drive in quail from the sea and it's going to be scattered two cubits deep around the camp. And I think that's about hip <laughs> hip deep. There's going to be quail upon quail upon quail. And if you've ever tasted quail, quail is probably one of the best meats I've ever had, man. It's, if it's, you overcook it, it gets a little dry, but it is really, really good. He was gonna. He took the Spirit of God, drove in mass provision to the Israelites in the middle of the desert, and God can do that for you. God can do that for you. If you're lacking something, just pray. Holy Spirit of God, blow in the provision for me. Blow in the provision. Now, Pastor Cho, who I just obviously uh, have a great deal of admiration for, the pastor of the largest church in the world there in so- Seoul, South Korea. When he was a little had a little church, the Lord promised him, I'm gonna I'm gonna give you a big church. And I don't know exactly how the story goes, but he said, How God? He's and God directed him back to the scripture. He says, I'm gonna blow people into your church. (laughs) And sure enough, that's exactly what God did. God, no one can withstand God. Nothing can get into God's in God's way. God can do anything. So let me finish up with this thought here from Genesis 41. 38 and it's about joseph do you remember the story of joseph the guy had a coat of many colors his brothers were jealous of him so they sold him into slavery he goes into egypt and let, let me tell you what finally when he's about 30 years old he gets his break how many of you need a break in life anybody need a break all right he got his break in life he goes straight out of prison into being the second in charge of all of Egypt, then the empire of Egypt, the, probably the most powerful nation in that part of the world, he goes into being a slave, excuse me, a prisoner into being second in charge of, of that empire. And the Pharaoh makes this observation of him in, in Genesis forty one thirty eight, he says, Can anyone, can we find anyone like this man, one in whom the Spirit of God? Is the Spirit of God in whom? Not on, but in. Now, how did Joseph get to the place of having this fullness of the Holy Spirit in him, giving him such divine ability and capability? Well, when Joseph was sold into slavery by his brothers, he kept the Holy Spirit on him, the sovereignty of God. He could have taken the yoke of bitterness and anger and resentment and, and revenge, but he said, "No, I'm going to keep the yoke of the spirit on me." Then he went on and he became the servant of a foreign master. Can you imagine? Joseph didn't even understand what his his master was telling him to do when he first started out. He had to learn a language on the fly, in horrible circumstances. He didn't get down. And, oh, poor me! Pity party. I can't do it. It's too hard. No one loves me. He didn't take that yoke. He kept kept the yoke of the Spirit of God on him. He went ahead and learned the language. He went ahead and dealt with what he had to deal with. Do you have problems? Sure you do. We all do. Are you going to feel sorry for yourself? Don't take that yoke. Take the yoke of the Spirit upon you. If something bad has happened to you in your past, don't take that yoke. Take the yoke of the spirit upon you. All right. We go on and we see that finally he's promoted in his master's house. He becomes in charge of every affair of his master, who is a a high ranking person there in Egypt. But you know what? He's falsely accused of sexual misconduct. All right. And he gets thrown into prison. Does he get discouraged? No, he keeps the yoke of the spirit upon him. He keeps the spirit on him. When he's forgotten in prison, he keeps the spirit upon him, the spirit of the sovereign Lord upon him. And finally, when it comes time, every time that was happening, he got a little bit more of the spirit in him, a little bit more of the spirit in him. He was filling up, he was filling up, he was filling up, so that when it came time to do something great for God, he was full of the spirit. And the Pharaoh said, I see the spirit in you, not just on you. How many of us are really letting the Spirit of God rest on us and take charge of our lives? How many of us? I don't want want you to raise your hand. I want you to think about it because I struggle with it. I want to take charge and control and do my own thing. But you know what? God wants to take charge of your life. And if you will at every stage of your life continue to have the yoke of Christ upon you, you will be filled with the Holy Spirit. You will be filled. God will fill you up. want to end with this this one scripture that i had uh uh, willie may thankfully was texted out to everybody It's in isaiah 59 21 it says as for me this is my covenant with them says the lord my spirit who is on you will never depart from you will never depart from you i should have told you the story first i was walking and praying this week and just this thought came to me and you got to be careful with these thoughts this thought came to me what if the Holy Spirit was ever taken away from me? <laughs> and it is t- a terrifying thought. What if the Holy Spirit's ever taken away from me? I walked a few more steps down the neighborhood that I live in, and I thought, what if the Word of God wasn't in my mind and in my heart? So that It wasn't rich. When I read the Bible, it was just print, and it didn't mean anything to me. I got a little scareder, <laughs> a little bit more fearful. Then, of course, as I walked a little longer, I felt the Lord tell me, Don't worry, Steve. I'm never going to take my spirit from you. I'm never going to take my word from you. And as if that wasn't enough, that night I laid down and I just happened to pull up a random scripture and it was this one Isaiah 59, 21. It said, My spirit who is on you will never depart from you. (laughs) God is so incredible. He's so amazing. And and the verse goes on. It says, my words that I put in your mouth will always be on your lips. (laughs) It was like he was talking directly to me. And he thought, you know what? That's not, I'm going to go even farther. They'll always be on your children's lips. And their descendants from this time forevermore, says the Lord. I'm telling you, man, let the Holy Spirit come upon you. Let the Holy Spirit come upon you. And if you do, he will fill you. He will fill you. Let's pray.